0: pop quiz for the day. Everybody get the brain juices flowing. Here's the pop quiz. Ready? What's the best way to make great friends? What's the best way to make great friends? What's the best way to make great friends? I'm going to give you the opportunity to turn to the person next to you, make a friend, and tell them what the best way is to make great friends. Go ahead. Best way. All right, that's enough time to make friends. All right, so let me hear some of the more interesting answers. What's, what's the best way to make great friends? Feed them. feed them, feed them, says Faith, yeah. How many people said food was involved at some level? Yeah, 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 okay. That's a good 20%. What else? Be a great friend. Oh, you see what she did there? That's very philosophical philosophical, anti-B. if you wanna make great friends, be a great friend, good, uh, what else? Find somebody who needs a good friend, interesting, interesting, I'm thinking of like the uh, lost sheep parable and go find the person, uh, Ellen says, listen, listen, uh, some people like to talk, and uh, some people who don't like to talk uh, need to be listened to even more closely, don't they? And there's a hand over there, yeah. Be available, yeah, that's interesting because what's our most precious resource in life? Time, yeah, all great answers. Uh, you guys uh, put me to shame. Um, I uh, am not uh, the most like, relationally skilled person in the world. Collective gasp, yeah, that's true. Um, so I have to think hard uh, about these things. Uh, here, here, here are some truisms uh, that uh, I feel like I've learned or had to learn uh, over the years. Uh, n- number one, if you make friendships just based on having a good time together, then when the good times stop, the friends stop. True? False? Have you found that to be true? Yeah, so just kind of hanging out and having a good time wonderful. Maybe not the best way to make great friends, though. Uh, I think rather than just hanging out and having a good time, I think great friendships come from going through challenges together. Like, like, like tough times, almost a better engine for great friendships than good fun times. True? False? I, I think that's probably true if we kind of evaluate uh, who are really great friends are in, in life. And, and it explains some things that, that, that I, I see a lot in the world. Like people that, people that go through tough experience together often become lifelong friends. You think about like wartime buddies, you know. Um, think about uh, even something milder, like sports buddies. You go into something and you compete hard. You go through intense experiences together. That's often very, very bonding. Uh, sometimes work buddies can be the same, like if you've tried to build something together uh, at your job. I mean, the job market is so transitional uh, these days that maybe we see that less often. And I think, I think mission buddies, I think when you have intense kingdom ministry experiences together, I think that can be binding and it can generate uh, great friendships, all the marks of great friendships, you know, trust and love, commitment, joy, even grieving together can be a mark of a great friendship. And and indeed, that's how it's worked in my life. Uh, My best friends have come from intense ministry experience together, pursuing the kingdom together, trying to build kingdom things in the world together. Uh, To sum up, I I don't think, well, let me put it this way. I don't think that real community comes from pursuing real community. I think real community comes from... I I think real community is the byproduct of pursuing worthy goals together, doing something intense together. I think real faith community comes from pursuing real faith ministry goals together and having changeful experiences together. You know, it's kind of like, I say it's a byproduct. It's kind of like when you're running a race to win a trophy and the gun goes off, you don't run at the trophy. You run at the finish line, right? And if you hit that goal well, then you get your bigger goal, which is, you know, the medal, uh, the victory. I think community is kind of like that. You don't get community by running at community. You get it by having kingdom experiences together, right? Pushing forward the frontier of the kingdom together, going through hard experiences together uh, on occasion. So uh, I think you know, we want to be loving. I think loving one another is the basis of, of great friendships. Uh, But we also wanna change together. We wanna change the world together. We wanna change one another together. That's another way of saying ministry, isn't it? Change the world and grow together. I think honesty happens that way. Trust happens that way. Joy happens that way. Commitment happens that way. Um, When uh, Sony and I were uh, much younger, we were leading our first small group together. We were part of a church together, and and we were like, like 21 years old. Uh, We'd become part of the leadership of this church. We were leading uh, a small group. Uh, I was living in a a very, very rough neighborhood at the time. I was was living in East Palo Alto, California, um, which, uh, at least during those days, I haven't looked recently, uh, was the national murder rate capital. Um, People were killed very often in my neighborhood, every night. You could hear gunfire, automatic weapons, occasionally explosions in the neighborhood. And so we decided to start a small group there, of course. And it started with uh, you know about 10 people and it grew to be uh, somewhere around 55 people uh, crowded into uh, our living room. And it was a very colorful place, very eventful place and very formative uh, for us as ministers. Um, We saw people come to the Lord there. We saw people heal the physical infirmities there. Uh, We saw uh, just people utterly reoriented in their lives there. Um, The reason I'm talking about it is because to this day, a lot of those people are still our, our best friends. You know, we keep in touch 30 years later. Uh, and looking back on it, I think the reason is because we all changed, we all grew so much together. We all did so many odd things together. You know. Um, and uh, it's, we became traveling companions. And that's kind of my model of friendship, although I'm not great at it. I'm not great at relationships. Uh, that's, that's what has worked best for me. Clearly, humans crave loving relationships. I don't think we need to belabor that point, right? We all want significant, loving relationships. Um, Maybe one thing to say is when we lack significant, loving, healthy relationships, we get sick in all kinds of ways. Humans get incredibly sick. Uh, I keep uh, abreast of the latest research on many social psychological things. All the latest research on addiction shows that addiction is, a, is, a, is primarily a disease of the relationally disconnected and that the most successful addiction treatment programs are focused on friendships, on connecting the addict to other humans in significant ways. And only if they manage to do that will addicts um, get free of their affliction. It makes all the sense in the world to me. When we're not connected to other humans in significant ways, we get all kinds of sick. We do all sorts of different things to fill the void created by our loneliness. Loneliness has many different manifestations. Only one of them is feeling lonely. (laughs) Uh, There are all sorts of addictions that come out of it, all sorts of maladies that are really cries for help. Um, All sorts of acting out, all sorts of manifestations, all of them bad. And the thing is, you can be lonely even when you're in the midst of a healthy community. Um, Relational isolation is only partially linked to actual isolation. Some of you are sitting in the middle of of a crowd right now. We're all too close together. It's too hot. We feel each other's body heat. And some of you are still feeling very isolated. As you know, being a an introvert and formally emotionally shut down guy, um, that's that's how I would have felt. To be healthy, you need to forge good friendships, and so it's important to know how they work. The good news is, I think the kingdom of God is the most relational place on earth. Yay! Let's hear from the extroverts. Let's hear from the introverts. about right it's about right and Jesus of course harped on this you know all the time he said look you know this is a place uh, of, of purpose this is a place of ministry but as as such it's a place of of love he said to his disciples I no longer call you servants I call you friends I mean we've taken by doing this together we've taken relationship to a whole new level uh, this, is, this is something different. He said, uh, they will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. That when you pursue Jesus together, something unique happens. It just kind of releases loving relationships uh, in, in, in communities and creates a lot of, I call it collateral health as a result. All sorts of good things happen as a result. In Matthew 22, when uh, a young man asked Jesus, what's the most important commandment? He said, well, the most important commandment is uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. He said, with these two commandments, you can sum up all of the law and the prophets. That's all you need to know. Love God as hard as you can. Love other people as hard as you can. Those are the two most important commandments in the kingdom of God, but they're commandments, right? You've got to love God, and you have to actively try to love the people around you. Which is how Jesus defines neighbors, whoever happens to be around you. Look around you. These are your neighbors. You are commanded by God uh, to love them selflessly. Love them as you love uh, yourself. We are in the middle of a sermon series on the life of Paul. Now, Paul is an interesting guy. Uh, Paul was a very independent guy, and and his life took him literally all over the known world. Um, I think he was uh, often a lonely guy, and and I noticed that particularly in his letters, a lot of them are about relationships and how to do relationships and what makes for great kingdom relationships. He actually writes about that uh, quite a bit. And his verses on community, I've noticed, have to do with, Submitting relationships and everything that comes with them, the, the, the petty squabbles, the anxieties, the frictions, submitting all of that to what you might call the kingdom mission agenda. Again and again through Paul's writings, he says, look, get along well with each other, because if you don't, you're gonna foul up the mission. Which sounds very, very, well, it sounds very functional, doesn't it? You know, if you guys can't get along, you're going to screw up the work, so get along. Does that prioritize relationships, or does that prioritize work? Yes, yes, that's the correct answer. Even his, even his more sensitive relational statements tend to have this aspect to it from the second chapter of, of Second Timothy. Look, guys, don't have anything to do with foolish or stupid arguments because you know they produce quarrels between people. And the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome but must be kind to everyone, able to teach and not resentful about each other. It's like, you know, you're going to screw up what you do. You're not going to be able to serve well if you can't get along well, if you're not in healthy relationships with one another. uh, From Ephesians 4. Uh, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you've received, worthy of the purpose that God has given you in the world. Uh, Therefore, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Why? Because you have to to live out your calling. That's how he puts it. If you can't get along, if you don't make every effort to bond together in the spirit and in peace, uh, then you're going to be a lousy team. It's going to be hard for you to do teamwork. And as a result, none of you are going to fulfill your purpose on earth. Learn to get along for the sake of the mission. Says it again and again. Okay. Uh, But what kind of relationship does that produce? Is the question. Does it produce, you know, functional partnerships with a lot of suppressed anger? Or does it create... Oh, real, vibrant, thriving uh, friendships. And our uh, passage uh, today, uh, a couple selections uh, from uh, the late middle of the book of Acts. And uh, just a little story that we get about some, the community, the the, the sorts of communities that Paul built when he was running around the world uh, planting churches and being an awesome uh, missionary. Um, and uh, I have put these out of order. Acts 20 and then Acts 19. I just want to read them that way if it's okay. So Acts 20. It's a little, a little vignette. Uh, this is from the period in Paul's life where he's kind of wrapping up his famous missionary, missionary journeys and he's heading toward Jerusalem knowing prophetically, um, that he's, he's going to be thrown in jail and that this may well be the end for him. He, he may be thrown in jail for the last time. We know he's been in prison a number of times in his life and tortured a number of times in his life, but he kind of feels like, well, this is, this is the home stretch. So he's on his way uh, to uh, Jerusalem. Uh, he has recently uh, had to flee from Ephesus uh, due to riots caused by the success of the church. In Ephesus, um, so he had to flee the city, hasn't seen them in a while, and he's sailing in a back and forth sort of way toward Jerusalem, traveling toward Jerusalem. From Miletus, Paul sailed to Ephesus, uh, sent to Ephesus, excuse me, for the elders of the church. So he can't go back into the city uh, because he's kind of a criminal there. People don't like him there anymore uh, because the growth of the church has reduced the worship of the pagan gods. And so they accused the Christians of nastiness, and Paul had to flee. So he's passing in the vicinity. Paul sent to Ephesus for the elders of the church to come visit him. And when they arrived, he said to them, you know how I lived the whole time I was with you. From the first day I came into the province of Asia, I served the Lord with great humility and with tears. and in the midst of severe testing by the plots of the Jewish opponents, you know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but I've taught you publicly and from house to house, I've declared to both Jews and Greeks that they must turn to God in repentance and have faith in our Lord Jesus. We went through that together. You saw all the intense experiences, Paul says. in this sermon series on the life of Paul. The dude is mission always. Mission first, mission last. He's constantly, constantly trying to fulfill his purpose, his God-given purpose in the world. He's just obsessed with his kingdom mission. And he's talking about it here as uh, he visits with his friends now I know that none of you, among whom I have gone about preaching the kingdom, will ever see me again. So this is Paul's farewell. Skipping down a little bit. You yourselves know that these hands of mine have supplied my own needs and the needs of my companions. and everything I did, I showed you that, uh, that by this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus uh, himself, who said it's more blessed to give than to receive. When Paul had finished speaking, he knelt down with all of them and prayed. They all wept as they embraced him and kissed him. And what grieved them most was the statement that they would never see his face again. Then they accompanied him uh, to the ship. I love this story because, you know, Luke, the guy who wrote the book of Acts, didn't really need to include this story in the history because it's not like he's planning a church here or anything like that. It, the only significant thing that's happening here is Paul pausing for a moment in his crazy life to bid farewell to his friends. And his friends traveling uh, from a assist- from a city to, to, to meet with Paul dockside just one more time. Just a little more time together. And all kneeling there on the ground and weeping and kissing. And I mean, just, he just paints this picture. Like for some reason, Luke thought that this little vignette was an important part of church history. You know, it's as if he's saying, you know, Paul's like mission this and mission that and work hard and blah 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 blah. But behind the scenes, this is what it produces. It produces people that just can't bear to be torn apart. You know, that's that's one of the byproducts of this life, Luke wanted to, to get across to us. You know, this this is how this is how it 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 should work. They'd known each other for all of two years at this point, by the way. Paul had spent two years in in Ephesus uh, with them. I included uh, just a a few verses about how it started when Paul arrived to Ephesus uh, two years earlier. This is the Acts 19 verse. While Apollos was in Corinth, this is another missionary, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. And there he found some disciples and asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So the disciples that kind of believe in Jesus, but but Paul hangs out with them and is like, wait, 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 wait a minute. Did you guys receive the Holy Spirit? Something's missing uh, with you guys. And they they answered, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. So they were disciples, but not super well-educated disciples, and they were missing that direct interaction with God. So Paul said, well, what baptism did you receive? John's baptism, they replied, and you know, the dunking and all of that. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is Jesus. And on hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them, and they spoke in tongues and prophesied. There were about 12 men in all. They had their first real-time experience with God on that day. There were about 12 of them. By the time Paul left Ephesus two years later, there were thousands and thousands of people in the church. Before Paul showed up, there were disciples. But after Paul showed up, there were participants, right? There were people who were having kingdom experiences together. And that generated community that generated a community that created uh, more uh, community. That's the sort of thing that bonded these people together. That's, that's why we see the farewell to the Ephesian elders. Uh, here's what I'm saying uh, with all of that. And, uh, and I think maybe what Luke is trying to suggest with that little vignette. I say this partly from scripture and I say this partly from my own life experience You should totally submit your relationships to the kingdom mission. The most important thing you can do in life to have really powerful friendships is to be involved in really powerful ministry, is to be involved in really powerful kingdom work. That will generate for you friendships. That will generate for you community unlike anything else that you do in life. I think that's a huge key. I could say it more prosaically, that we become the family of God by participating in the mission of God. That's good too. Um, But you have to partner with people in the doing of intense kingdom ministry. I think that's what works best. Uh, You should get to know people on the job. The job. Now, we all have a job to do in the world. We all have a calling. We all have a kingdom purpose. We all have ways that we can serve the Jesus mission on earth. And it's on the job of friendship making uh, that I think makes the, the, the best friendships. That's, it creates the byproduct of Christian uh, community. Like Paul, you know, you've got to go for it a little bit. You have to pursue change. You have to pursue changing the world. You have to pursue changing the people around you. Along the way, you'll be forced to change yourself. You'll grow up, and growing together is a great way to, uh, to make friends, to get bonded together. Uh, and, and you'll have to do other things, too. You'll have to submit grievances and anxieties and, 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 and relational frictions. You'll have to submit all of that to the mission. It's like, you know, I don't like you. You rub me the wrong way. But doggone it, we're ministry partners. Doggone it, we're in the same Ohana group. Doggone it, we're we're serving in Keiki ministry together, so I guess I have to learn to get along with you. Bingo, there you go. That that's where love grows, right? That's that's where commitment grows. That that's what makes you grow up relationally. I think that's one of the reasons that kingdom work creates such truthful friendships is because you have to learn to, to get along. Paul wrote about that um, so very often. I think it works the same way in, in, in marriage, by the way. Any, any of you ever heard me do a, a wedding ceremony? I always, I always say something like this. I, I always say, I don't think people get married for love. I think people get married for like. You marry the person that you like. And then, and research backs this, backs this up, about two years into it, you wake up and you look at the person that you're married to and you're like, man, if I have to live with this person another week, I think I'm going to die. You know, we all kind of hit that, hit that wall. <laughs> and, and that's where the love starts, right? That's where the real love starts. Until then, it's only kind of like romance, which is nice. You know, you want that chemistry. Uh, that's super important, uh, you know. You have lots of like, but then, once you get into it, you have to love. And uh, all successful marriages, they don't start with love, but they all find it. They all find it. Micah, Amy, how long have you been married now? Amy, have you reached the point where you feel like you're going to die if you have to stand? (laughs) Back me up here. I'm in the middle of a sermon. It's only right I get to tease you one more time you go to the mainland. Um, you get the point? There's a reason that we call Ohana groups Ohana groups is because, you know, in the kingdom of God, you know, it should, feel, it should feel like Ohana. It should feel like family. It should feel like the sort of family that the word Ohana suggests, a family that is willing to gather in more family uh, as, as circumstances uh, require Uh, and we want and expect people to have ohana relationships in the kingdom of God at Blue Water. This should be a place where you make significant friendships. Um, I I have some of the best friendships I've ever had here in this place. Um, And uh, for sure, it has been a huge blessing to me, and that has undergirded the whole church And I know that's true for many of you, but maybe not all of you, you know, maybe you're still in that isolated place and I totally sympathize with that, I totally get it. We try to be warm, we try to be welcoming, we try to be inviting and that's all super, super important. We always give time in the middle of a church service to meeting somebody that you don't know. Every Ahana group that you attend will have some sort of relational fellowship component in it and that's not a throwaway thing for us. When I say turn to your neighbor and talk about my silly question that I just asked, you know that's that's not a throwaway thing. I'm trying to just break down barriers and, and warm people up and, and help people out. But all all that is just a start, right? That's just a start. The key ingredient is to pursue mission together, is to jump in to A ministry, you can start by jumping into a Hana group and participating in the ministry that happens there, you know. But eventually, you know, you'll move toward more intense kingdom experiences, and that produces fruit in the world, but it also uh, produces fruit in your relational life. Work together, work together. It's as simple as that. Work together in Jesus' name for Jesus' purposes, work together. And I'll say one more thing, honor each other while you do it. And and that's how I formulated it for myself. Work together and honor each other uh, for Jesus' sake. Uh, By honor each other, you know, that there's no there's no concise way to define that, but, but here's how I think of it work together and honor people while you do it. Say to the people with you in one way, shape, or form, hey. You being here makes the mission better. You have valuable things to contribute. You are a valued team member. Now, the thing is, you can't just say those things. There has to be some reason that you come up with, right? Wow, you're a valuable team member. Why? Why? And then you have to have an answer, which requires that you actually see the person. It requires that you actually see what God has put in that person for kingdom benefit. And I love that process because I suck at almost every relational thing except that. That I can do really, really well. I know you for a brief period of time. I will be able to tell you what you bring to the cause. I'm great at that. Can I get an amen? I'm pretty good at that, right? Like I, got, I suck at communicating. I'm like the least warm person ever, you know. Not really, but I've gotten a lot better. I've mellowed with age. But that I'm pretty good at. Uh, and, and I've just, I've experienced the relational joy and power in being able to do that. Oh, you're here working beside me. Here's what I see that God has put in you uniquely. And you know what happens? Uh, The people that we say that to, they become, they, they start to feel known, known. And since we're talking about kingdom stuff, they feel known in a way that's more fundamental than any other way that they've been known previously, you know? Because what God puts in you for your calling is really fundamental stuff. Are you following me? So it's a great way to build community. It's so real. And it's so very, very important that we all participate in it together. If you feel stuck relationally, if you feel isolated, get in on the work, get in on the work. And again, Ohana groups are a great place to go for that. I love people. Who get to know me that way? I love people who can speak to me um, in terms of my kingdom fundamentals. Another way to say it is, I love people who change me for the better. I just love people who change me for the better. I love people who can speak to things that are gonna change me for the better. I try to, I try to love people. Period. You know, I try just to love everyone because you know Jesus uh, tells me to. What I mean is that I cling to people who changed me for the better. That's how it's been in my life. Uh, I I, I, I value them uh, especially. And I encourage you to value those sorts of people as well. I encourage you to become that sort of of person. Paul, super mission-oriented guy, super relational guy. Those two things go together. Now, one of the reasons I'm preaching this sermon this Sunday um, is because I want you all to sign up for the all-church retreat. Uh, and what the retreat is, is it's like, a, it's like a, almost a four-day retreat uh, this year, uh, which is awesome. We'll get to hang out together a, a bit more. But it's, it's not just to hang out and, and have a good time. It's, it's to hang out and have intense kingdom experiences together. You know the presence of the Lord will be there. Uh, we're going to do lots of exercising. You know, in the mornings we're going to have we're going to have morning meditations and morning prayers. We're going to teach a little bit of content, but there'll be there'll be prophecy services. Uh, uh, once again, we're flying in one or two friends from the mainland to prophesy over us, really gifted prophets, um, because it's uh, it's nice when you get an accurate prophecy from somebody that you don't know. <laughs> you know that they're not just making up something that they've observed in you naturally. Um, we're doing our Holy Spirit night uh, on Saturday there, there will be a time uh, this retreat especially uh, to, to baptize people in the Holy Spirit Allah Acts chapter 19 the vignette that I just read if you've never had an experience where you just really experienced God in, in real time and get sort of a manifestational touch from Him I mean it's not everything but it's just so incredibly helpful to sense the presence of the Lord in, in the here and now uh, for you uh, we'll do that. Uh, there'll be a worship service there at camp on Sunday. We won't be worshiping here. There'll be a baptism after that service. The we'll picnic on Sunday. There'll be times where we're interceding together uh, for things that we need, like mm, a new building with air conditioning. Um, um, it's going to be an intense time. Plus, it's just being together and living together and you should all sign up because one of the commandments is to love each other as hard as you can. And we've created this time for you to participate in it.